Hello, everybody. This is Andre, and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Our special guest for today is Abby Schomberg, who is the Director of Marketing for Fancy.com, the world's best social commerce platform, connecting over 10 million users and having investors, early investors such as Drake and Will Smith and Justin Bieber. Uh, but Abby has been working before with uh, popular brands such as Forever 21. So very, very excited for our chat today. We're going to be discussing about trends in the e-commerce space and how this whole industry is changing as a whole. So Abby, Hello. Uh, thank Hi. you for being on the show and uh, really excited for today. Same. I'm super excited to be joining you and, and chatting through marketing innovation and e-commerce. So thank you for having me. No worries. Pleasure is all mine. So let's get the ball rolling. Um, cool. First of all, uh, tell us a bit about you. Tell us about uh, your background a bit and how, um, how you got into the position that you are in at the moment. Of course. Yeah. So I've been in a marketing position or a marketing role uh, for the last 12 years. You know, I studied uh, marketing and communication business in college at San Diego State, which if we have any San Diego State listeners out there, go us. <laughs> but uh, we, we, uh, I've eventually just moved into the marketing world. Um, I started, you know, right out of college at Forever 21, which I'm sure you all know is, you know, a major, major fast fashion retailer in the U.S. and, and abroad. Um, very focused on kind of generalistic marketing in that space and, and opening up, you know, opening up new stores, store expansions, really building our consumer base um, as we scaled as a business, which was a really exciting time to be there. And definitely, I think one of those career opportunities for myself where I was probably thrown into a position where I had to wear a lot of hats and had to learn really, really quickly. And it definitely helped my growth, although long hours and, and crazy hours, it was an incredible team of people and, you know, very exciting to to be part of that that industry when it was you know so on fire and and such a big part mm -hmm. of American culture. So, um, an incredible learning experience there for me, and you know, did a lot with partnerships, a lot with um, events, a lot with uh, media, and and exposing the new stores, which you know is obviously what we all want to do: expose our brands and expo expose our you know the places to shop. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I moved over to Oakley. Uh, Oakley is obviously a sports performance eyewear brand and a general sports performance, you know, apparel brand. Um, when I was there, you know, I moved through a few roles. I have a pretty solid background in media and spent a lot of my time in um, a U.S. focused media role and then evolved into a global media role um, and then took on more uh, responsibility in digital marketing generally. So taking over our global digital social, um, or sorry, our global social, um, our global digital marketing, uh, global content, a bunch of different areas of the business to really tell the brand story and, and really talk about, you know, why, why Oakley, why, you know, go, why buy our products and the innovation that sat behind everything that we did. So that was super exciting. I mean, an incredible, again, just an incredible group of people that, you know, I had the, the pleasure of working with and, and to learn from. And then from there, I moved into travel. Um, I just decided I was looking for a little bit of a change of pace. I personally love to travel, so it felt like a really fun opportunity. And I spent uh, two years at a consortia before moving over to a brand side where I spent um, the next two years as the brand director of Kentucky, which is the uh, number one travel company for 18 to 35-year-olds. It was a really fun and exciting time. Um, obviously, travel is such a passion point for so many people, so it makes marketing really fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and then obviously sat in a travel role in the midst of COVID. So that was quite an interesting experience. It definitely, you know, freshened up my skills in crisis management and freshened up, you know, how important it is to, to have a story behind the brand that's not just about your product so that when you, you do get hit by 
those major moments um, in the world, you have something to lean into and to really keep your community engaged, which I think was what we had been focusing on for the last, you know, few months as we transitioned through this change, which, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say the team over there has, has continued to do a great job. And, you know, I decided in the midst of that, it was time for a little more change for me. And I was excited to get back into the e-commerce space, which is how I ended up at Fancy. Um, Fancy had recently moved their headquarters from New York to San Diego, where I'm based. Mm-hmm. Um, so it opened up a really awesome opportunity for me to join a growing team, um, a growing a growing business, and really jump into, you know, an industry that is really on the rise when it comes to you know year over year impact of e-commerce in mm-hmm. the U.S. particularly. So really exciting. I've been at, at Fancy for a little over two months, and excited to continue um, continue my journey here. Super cool. I, I think you, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you <laughs> you already found this and you knew, but this is such an interesting yeah. time to be in the e-commerce space. Like uh, the whole thing has has been speeding up like four or five years ahead uh, with the whole situation yep. that's been going on. And uh, since we are recording this around Black Friday and we might actually be able to publish it just around the time, I think it's going to be uh, even more interesting for, uh, you know, uh, or all of our listeners who might be just in the middle of doing exactly what you and I are doing at the moment in terms of <laughs> marketing and everything <laughs> yes. uh, to, to see how you handle it and you know how yeah. how are things from your perspective as a marketing leader in a global brand that is very fast uh, paced and rapidly expanding so uh, tell us a bit about fancy.com and how like how's your team at the moment what are you guys focusing on so that we can give a bit more context to the discussion that we'll have on marketing in the e-commerce space Of course. So Fancy is basically a social marketplace where we bring together a bunch of vendors um, from around the world that sell really high quality, unique products. And then we sell them out to our wide community of uh, fancy shoppers. So we have a primary market in the US, but we actually have a really solid global market as well. So 30% of our sales do happen um, outside of the US, which is really exciting uh, for us. So a lot of what we've been preparing for, since we do have some such a strong established user base is one, making sure that that user base is engaged. They know what's coming. They know what to expect from, from us. We're trying to, we're, we're setting up certain guidelines and, and parameters with a lot of our you know vendors to make sure that we know when shipping cutoffs are going to be happening, when we can ensure alignment on sales or they're really trying to push during the holiday season, just to make sure, you know, we're putting the best things forward for, you know, gift giving the gift giving season. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing all of those things and obviously just setting that, making sure our foundation is working really, it really properly. So making sure our social campaigns and our remarketing campaigns, um, are, you know, firing well, and we have everything, you know, optimized and, and cranking forward, but then also trying to, you know, add additional personalization into our email communications and really focusing quite a bit on the personalization and curation of the website. So it's really easy to shop. It's easy to find what you're looking for, but there's still that added layer of joy as you discover new things on Fancy, which I think is a really fun and different place to shop because it's not so search intent based. It's definitely some place where you can kind of just fall into it and find some some really great products and things based off of, you know, a curated list and and personalized assortments based off of your behavior. So mm-hmm. I think that's it's the balance of all of those things. It's the balance of, you know, one, putting our existing customer in our database first to make mm-hmm. sure that we're providing them the experience, the tools, and, and the products that they need to, to make it a successful holiday season for themselves. But then also ensuring that we're scaling out to take advantage of, you know, the anticipated boom of e-commerce this season coming off of the heels of 
well, currently not off the heels, currently in COVID where we're still seeing, you know, a lot of restrictions and shutdowns and, and people a little bit apprehensive to shop in person. So I think that's uh, where our heads have been at of, you know, making sure we're incredibly buttoned up so we don't lose the opportunity to take advantage of, of the sales that are anticipated for this season. Super. And uh, before we go into it, into it, you said something really interesting that I think uh, it would be nice to just a little bit focus on. And you mentioned a bit about the USP of fancy.com. Can you develop just a little bit around that? Because I think it's going to be interesting for our discussion forward as well. So tell us, how do you differentiate from other platforms and what's that element of uh, experience in the shopping? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that the coolest thing about Fancy is, you know, we we have set the groundwork for creating a really strong e-commerce experience, which I think you see across the board and it does not, does not make us unique, but it's a table stake to make sure that people feel confident and comfortable buying off the site. So frictionless checkout, you know, a really easy way to browse, strong search are all things that are just table stakes within, you know, any e-commerce platform at this point and something that we really pride ourselves on. But when it comes to that unique point for ourselves. It's really around this discovery element. So I think some of the things that we really like to share and lean into is the fact that new products are added daily onto fancy.com and new products that are vetted and curated by a team that we have internally to make sure that everything we sell carries a certain level of quality and a certain level of kind of uniqueness mm -hmm. to make sure that it's not, you know, just your every other shopping experience. So I think that's the number one thing is this, you know, highly vetted, very curated list of very cool products um, that are discover worthy. Uh, and I think that's what we lean into a lot is this, this concept of discovery and seeking something new and finding something that you're not just going to, you know, maybe think to search if you jump onto an Amazon or to an Etsy, which is a very, those two are very search-based platforms where we are very much a discovery-based platform where we're really taking cues and understanding of our customers to pull and bubble to the top and surface the products that are the most interesting and the products that we think our customers are going to love to allow you to kind of have a bit more of a scrolling browse behavior. And then we just, you know, ensure we implement those products that have that scroll stop action. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit more of a lean back way to shop. It's a bit more of a, you know, inspirational way to shop. Mm -hmm. um, but then it still carries all of the core values of a strong e-commerce solution when it comes to, you know, filtering and browsing and searching and those things, if you want to shop that way, mm -hmm. but we're really, we're really leaning into this concept of, you know, serendipitous discovery and finding something that you love based off of your behavior and really based off personalization and bringing the browse and the joy of browsing back into the shopping experience online. Um, Something obviously we know we we do when we're in person at you know at a mall or, or in, in a shop where you're just kind of flicking through the rack and, and and discovering something you maybe didn't have the intent to buy but it just catches your eye. Mm -hmm. So we're really looking to find that balance between that type of shopping as well as a really strong e-commerce experience. So I think when you shop on Fancy, that's what you'll feel. You'll feel like you've discovered something. You'll feel like you're finding something unique to you. You'll feel that you're not just you know building the same you know, identity as your neighbor, but something that's really unique to yourself, just based off of this, you know, this plethora of product that we do sell, the assortment that we do have that is such high quality, as well as this, you know, really simple and easy way to discover something cool and fun for your home or your, your wardrobe or, or whatever you're looking for. Nice. Yeah. Super. Okay. So uh, this just got me thinking about, uh, you know, like a good entry for our 
uh, further discussion, which would be, yeah. so uh, you have been in e-commerce from the very beginning of your career and you have worked with like a giant brand uh, being mm -hmm. part of this revolution, really. Uh, yeah. And then at some point you went into travel and then you came back, but you yeah. made that switch in a time where things like marketing personalization and using data to deliver better assets into fit to the customer journey and things like this, as well as the growth of the e-commerce space in general, they mm -hmm. all have developed very rapidly. So mm -hmm. this this would be a curiosity of mine, but I would be very, very keen to hear your thoughts on this as well. What do you feel, uh, or one, did you feel you went far from e-commerce and then you came back when you went into uh, promoting or doing the activities around the travel space. This would be one thing. And then the other would be, um, how did you find, uh, did you find like a gap between where you left the e-commerce space and when you came into it again? Or did you, were you surprised by anything? I will say, you know, it's a great question because I think, you know, travel has historically been somewhat not necessarily been bucketed into an e-commerce type solution, but I will say that moving into travel, it was very interesting to see the level of technology that is incorporated into the search and browsing behavior when you are shopping for, you know, a trip and you are shopping for a destination. And actually the the level of sophistication that exists in that industry as you think about, you know, the price point of the purchase and how important it is to show the right product at the right time and how important it is to you know, be thoughtful of, you know, the consumer's needs and wants because travel is such a high, uh, a high researched purchase and a really big ticket item. I think, you know, e-commerce is obviously, when you think about it more in the CPG and the product world has obviously been on this path for, for a very long time where travel seems to have introduced itself into more of an e-commerce shopping behavior within the last few years. Mm -hmm. But I think there are a lot of similarities when you when you look at both in the sense that personalization is really critical, that understanding the consumer's wants is very, you know, very critical in the sense that attention spans still, you know, does drop off very, very quickly if you're not getting the information to the person that needs it as fast as possible. And I think friction is, is an even bigger component when we think about, you know, obviously you need to have a very seamless and clean checkout experience when you're in a product space just to make sure you don't, you know, have that, you know, conversion drop off when you move, you know, try to move from the cart to, to the credit card. But it's even more important as you think about travel, just because the trust that you need to gain when someone's putting a few thousand dollars down for, you know, a vacation or this really, you know, impactful moment in their lives is, is really, really critical. So Yes, I think it was an interesting jump for me to go from the e-commerce space into travel. I think that I got into travel and I really did miss the innovation and the tech that sits in the e-commerce world. And I think that was so very, very enticing for me to get back to just with the level of technology and the capabilities that exist, not just within your own platforms, but you think about the solutions that you know a lot of the big behemoths like Facebook and Google have implemented for, you know, ease of shopping and, and e-commerce solutions to help make these transactions a bit more seamless and, and sophisticated where mm -hmm. travel just always seems to be a little bit, you know, on the burner behind. So I will say it's very, been very exciting to get back into travel. Um, I mean, get back into e-commerce from travel, but I will say it was very interesting to be in travel while they were really trying to starting to find their e-commerce kind of evolution at the mm -hmm. same time and, and understanding the power of, of data and understanding the power of, you know, a lot of the standard e-commerce tools that 
a lot of, you know, your traditional product marketers are probably taking advantage uh, or taking for granted is what I'm looking for, taking for granted these days. But, you know, it is, it was an interesting, an interesting shift, but I think there's uh I think there is definitely still a sophistication in into the travel industry around the way they're using e-commerce and the around the way that you know you shop, and it will continue to catch up to the place that obviously product marketing is is sitting in. Hope mm-hmm. that helped. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome! Really insightful. And can I ask you a question? Uh, this you yeah. might not have the numbers at hand, but just maybe like approximately. But this is a discussion that we've been having uh, a lot with our clients lately, since everybody was trying to benchmark themselves within their industries and trying mm-hmm. to see, uh, basically, to set KPIs and objectives for uh, their brands for this holiday season slash e-commerce peak, mm-hmm. uh, which would be like November, December. So um, this, I think, would be really insightful for the other people that are tuning in as well that are in marketing functions, trying to work out their benchmarking and see how they position themselves in the market. Basically, my question is, what would you say are some average or yeah, average conversion rates that you are looking for, example, for specifically, because you, you talked about the website and the personalization, which I very much emphasize with you. I think uh, it's very important to look at that as the core metric for, you know, optimizing performance, mainly if you run a lot of paid advertising, for example, that drives a bunch of traffic to your website, but then what happens with that traffic? So you yeah. are in an upper market, really, right? Like more expensive products, mm-hmm. uh, more luxury. Um and I guess you run integrated marketing campaigns. Like I'm sure you do paid Google and social and everything. Yep. Um, what are some conversion rates that you aim for or you consider to be good in your space, in your niche? Um, for example, from uh, we, we can say on the website in general, but then we can dive into more specific details if you have them. Uh, from mm-hmm. um, add to cart to purchase maybe. And let's try here. Let's try to start here the discussion and then see how we go. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'd say in general, like, and, and not to start necessarily with conversion rate, but just from a return perspective on what we're anticipating spending over the holiday season and what that returns back, we're definitely aiming for somewhere around a five to one um, from an ROI point of view. So mm-hmm. I think that's you know something that we're chasing and something that we're really optimistic to to hit. Um, mm-hmm. Especially as you mentioned, obviously we are a bit higher of a price point um, and a bit more specialized when it comes to the products that we sell. So, you know, there might be brands out there that do sell a bit more commoditized commoditized items that might have a bit higher of, you know, a return goal than us. But I think for us, that's, you know, really what we're, we're hoping to see in, in this holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to conversion rate, you know, on the site, obviously, we're always trying to kind of hit that, you know, one to 3%, you know, during the holidays, definitely getting upper towards that 3% conversion rate. Um, for, you know, traffic driven to the site. So that's generally our, our goal. And I think for us right now, and I think where, you know, a lot of campaign and, and, and targeting can come into play is really using those kind of add to carts that don't turn into conversions to help you drive forward a higher conversion rate overall. And, and using those, using that data and using those users that, you know, obviously had found some product of interest or found something that they were interested in, in almost pulling the trigger on and really focusing on targeting them to, to increase the, increase the, the conversion from those add to cart users. So from that perspective, I don't have a number off the top of my head from, you know, what we're trying to increase our kind of I guess that more or less reduce our abandoned cart is really what we should be looking at. So I, we don't necessarily have a, a KPI set for abandoned cart reduction at this point, but we will be striving for that 3% conversion rate over the site um, 
site-wide for, for the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very cool. Thanks so much. This was also like a personal curiosity, but so many things have changed. And also in this period of the year, uh, there's going to be so much advertising budget put into the most popular platforms like Google and Facebook and Instagram are going to be the primary ones. So uh, the costs are going to increase as well. And I think it's good for everybody to hear as many experiences and insights as possible so that they can draw their own uh, you know, benchmarking and uh, KPI setting and everything. So thanks so much for that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and talking about the social platforms, um, what are you like? What are you prioritizing? What platforms are you looking at? Have you done anything on, for example, TikTok or one of these more niche platforms or more uprising platforms? Actually, yeah. Um, so we just recently opened our TikTok channel. Um, so if you guys want to follow it, it's uh, fancy dot com uh, is our TikTok handle. So. You, there's only we have very very little content right now. Obviously, we're using the benefit of uh, TikTok's algorithm, which is very much based off recommendation versus following. So, I think that's a really interesting pers- place to be as a channel where you know you really can be, you know, can be a marketer, can be in a creator or an influencer, and really get visibility on that channel much more quickly than you can in something that really is a really puts a lot of emphasis on follower count. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's something that we're starting to test test the waters with a little bit and felt like it was something we could, you know, obviously easily do as we, you know, focus on, you know, taking advantage a lot of, of a lot of Instagram's new creative platforms like Reels. Mm-hmm. Make one, it kind of works for both channels. So we've definitely been, you know, duplicating content across both. Yep. I think we've seen some really great results from our experiments with Reels. And I think you know, it's, it's a fun platform because obviously the production quality is meant to be a little bit more raw. It's meant to be a little bit more real and a little bit more approachable. Um, so it's been very easy for us to really kind of test and play around with that channel. And I will say, I have been very, very impressed on the reach results from our organic post in reels in the sense that, you know, it really is reaching a new audience. I was talking to our marketing manager this morning and, you know, she was commenting on, um, how we were, you know, we generally get a lot of, you know, the same really high engaged users on our, our channels commenting and asking questions and the comments that we were getting through, you know, the Reels content that we were putting out was all very, net, very new consumers. So very new eyeballs, very new reach, mm-hmm. um, which was very, very interesting for us and very exciting as we, you know, see the power of TikTok, obviously see the kind of addictive quality that that content has in the social sphere, but still taking advantage of a platform that we have a bit more equity on like Instagram. Mm-hmm. but using that same discovery type model to help get our products and get our um, brand in front of new people um, versus just so focused on the feed or so focused on stories, which, you know, is very specific to the followers that you already have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that has been really interesting and something that we're continuously increasing production against. And, you know, for anyone that's out there that has a really small team, we're also a very small team. And I think, you know, it's just one of those platforms that's test it. It's, you know, you can film stuff on your phone. You can film your products on your phone. You can use the editing tools within the platform. You don't need a videographer to do everything for you. Um, but we've seen some really, really great results from a reach perspective from that channel and, and engagement, um, getting a ton of likes, ton of comments through, through that channel. And even some really great ones like, Hey, can you send me the link to that product? So that's always the one as, you know, a marketer, but as, as someone that knows, you know, we need to pay the bills. I love to see that type of engagement on, on posts. Uh, so that's been pretty, pretty exciting to see. Um, we're also focusing on amplifying our Pinterest presence right now. So Pinterest, you know, has seen some really, really great numbers over the past quarter. I think they, they released some of their, uh, 
results a few weeks ago in, in, in regards to, you know, usership and engagement and, and ad dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been very focused on especially gift guides and getting new fresh content onto our Pinterest channel and taking advantage of that. Pinterest still serves as a, a really top referral source for fancy, um, just because of the discovery element of that channel and, and being able to be very product centric, centric and centric in that channel. Um, so we are, you know, keeping our, our foot down on, on that platform and making sure that we have you know, some good, uh, some good content pumping into that over the holiday, the holiday season. So organically, I would say that's been a bit of a new focus with be reels, um, starting to get the TikTok channel up and running and, and a heavy focus on, on, uh, Pinterest, but obviously not ignoring some of our cores like Facebook and Twitter. So we have, uh, we, we post daily on every channel, um, but, you know, really are focusing on some new content streams to, to help us increase our discovery for the brand. Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, this is actually the first time that we managed, uh, I think this month or over the last two or three months to dive deeper into the social organic subject mm-hmm. and i i love it that you brought it up with the discovery elements because actually this is also something that we we felt and we tried to bring towards the table so it's very nice to hear you to hear from somebody that you know is leading a marketing team for for a global brand so from the client side that you have yeah. this feedback as well i think it's really cool um and since you were talking about discovery and uh, since we were on the <laughs> social channels topic uh mm-hmm. what are you guys doing with influencers uh what's your take on them do you do more influencer marketing at all we do. Yes, we absolutely do influencer marketing. I think influencer marketing is, again, just a great way to expose yourself to a new audience. And I think that's the best way to look at it. I always look at, inf- I always look at influencer marketing as part of a wider kind of intent word of mouth strategy. So mm-hmm. how do we get people to talk about the brand, whether those people are people that we're partnering with and, and paying to do so, or they're just, you know, our, you know, advocacy programs through our existing customer base. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, we do, we do put a lot of, uh, prioritization on influencers. I'm a big believer in, in that as a channel. I think what we focus on quite a bit is influencers more at the micro level. And we focus primarily on engagement rates, not necessarily follower count. Um, as I think it's really easy to get excited to, to work with someone with 300,000 followers, but if you get down to it, you know, you don't really necessarily know the quality of that if you're not seeing the engagement rates. So we do, we do lean a little bit more into a micro influencer strategy. Um, definitely always trying to work with people above 10,000 to ensure we get that swipe up capability. But, mm-hmm. um, we, we've, I've in generally in general, in my career have found, um, that micro community to be a really, really high engaged community. So it's where I put a lot of pressure on the team to, to scale those programs and scale those relationships. Um, and of course, we obviously, you talked about it a bit earlier, we have some big names that obviously invest and shop on Fancy um, as well. So we you know, do reach out to those people to support us um, in, in gaining exposure, but only so when it's already an authentic relationship with the brand. So I think that that's always really important just because it comes out a little bit more natural and comes out a bit more um, authentic and then really, you know, showcasing the micro influencers as there's a bit more of a mutual benefit between the brand and, and the partner at that point. Um, so yeah, we are very, very much in the influence influencer space, um, ranging from, you know, paying people to develop content to product swapping for mentions to, you know, taking advantage of our customer base to, you know, give them as many perks as we would to our influencer community. So we do run it in a bunch of different ways. There's not just, you know, one, one tactic that we deploy, but really the, 
the medley of word of mouth that can come together when you start to bring in staff, influencers, micro-influencers, advocacy, ambassadors, customers, investors on our side as well, which is, you know, an an extension of our community too. So Mm -hmm. that's been, you know, pretty exciting. Very cool. Okay. And uh, so you are doing uh, omni-channel marketing in general. You have so many stakeholders, Um, but focusing on the customers, what do you (laughs) feel has changed or shifted over the, I mean, in general, but also over the last couple of months in terms of their shopping behavior online? I think this would be really insightful to hear it from you and to hear your take on it. Um, Since, you know, everybody has now shopped more online in general. So what, what do you feel has changed? Uh, do they visit the website more times before they purchase? Do they need more time to decide? Are they more cautious with the way they spend their money? What's what's your feeling? You know, it's been really interesting at Fancy because I think we haven't seen tons of fluctuation in the past few months about how the consumer shopping are kind of average, you know, products per orders has stayed about the same. Our average order value has stayed about the same. What we are seeing is a stronger female base coming into fancy. And I think that that might be something to do with the holiday season as we think about, you know, women being really, you know, drivers of, of holiday purchases and, and, you know, sometimes the bigger household spenders when it comes to, you know, shopping for Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever, you know, holiday that you celebrate. Um, so we've seen a little bit of transition in, in that capacity. I would say, you know, from, from a shopping behavior perspective, you know, we do see some change in, in search terminology. You know, as you get closer to the holidays, you see definitely more gift-centric type items start to pop up. So obviously that plays into, it plays a hand in how we merchandise the site and, and using that data to ensure that we have, you know, easy discovery for those types of products. Um, but for the most part, I would say aside from volume, so aside from the volume of people that are now shopping online versus the volume that we, you know, were shopping online last year, I would say we've actually seen a lot of consistency when it comes to some of those standard metrics that we anticipate at Fancy. And I think what makes that really exciting for us particularly is even though we're seeing this scaling of audience and scaling of new shoppers that come into the e-commerce space, we're seeing them actually act and behave in a similar way to, you know, the historical and the, and the existing Fancy user that's been with us for 10 years. So we, you know, it does point us in the direction that, you know, there is either is a reason to shop on fancy and there is you know this desire for you know this cool a product assortment and this quality of you know quality brands that we obviously sell um and it's just interesting to see you know the the volume of of consumers start to change as as they come into the site but so not huge consumer behavior changes that we're necessarily seeing from an engagement on the site perspective but definitely a volume of change um as we see more and more more people coming earlier to the site this year than last year and mm-hmm. anticipating even more people um, year over year based off of obviously the changes that have been going on across Got the you. world. Got you. And can I get a bit technical here? <laughs> but it's yeah. again, one curiosity of mine again. Um, so once you capture a new user, let's say through social paid, so they get onto your website, they start to surf, to navigate, maybe add stuff to cart. Um, what would be a target number of um, times that you try to reach them in the first, let's say, two to three days to help them proceed with the purchase in case they haven't finalized the purchase during that initial session. Do you have a strategy around it or does it depend on anything? No, so we, we do have a strategy around that. Um, we obviously have you know specific triggers for a brand abandoned browser, abandoned cart that deploy pretty quickly after 
um, a user, you know, abandons whatever behavior that they were previously engaged in. And, and we actually send those out pretty quickly after um, that, that initial behavior and that initial action has been triggered. Mm-hmm. And then we do follow up with that individual a couple of days later just to, you know, continue to try to push them over. They obviously always fall into our remarketing campaigns that sit, you know, in a display or social space, even, you know, our, our, our search campaigns um, as well. So we have a bunch of different touch points that you're, are hitting that consumer. I would say our goal is, you know, hitting a decent frequency around five to seven, you know, post-action behaviors um, to try to pull them back into the site. And then, you know, obviously we have our, you know, separate lists of, individuals and how we pull some of that dynamic content into our email content, how we pull that stuff through to help with the personalization further down so that we do trigger them back into the site. They have kind of what they were just recently browsing just at their fingertips and, and really engaging them there. Mm-hmm. So yes, we, we definitely have um, a plan of action to try to, you know, scoop up as many, um, as many of those abandoned browse and purchases as possible. And we'll probably scale that up just a bit as we get closer to the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, just obviously being conscious of you know, not being too much of a pest, but making sure we're in, we're in, in the face. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And in terms of the website personalization and uh, delivering dynamic content, mm-hmm. uh, do you have a tool that you like very much or something that you'd recommend to somebody that has been thinking about this, but maybe they just didn't have the budget yet or for any reason they haven't implemented it yet? We actually, you know, it's it's not going to be the answer anyone wants to hear, but we've, we're very lucky in the sense that we have an internal engineering team that builds all of that directly for Fancy. Okay. Um, so we own all of our capabilities that exist on the site. So we don't use any plugins for personalization at this point. Um, but I can always, you know, ask our engineering team who maybe they use as inspiration and, and, uh, and come back to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's super kind. Thank you. I was curious because, uh, it's a lot of marketing tech out there and sometimes it get, it can yeah. get tricky. So a recommendation from somebody that is actively doing it, uh, could be, could be, uh, valuable. Super. Thanks so much. <laughs> Um, so now looking into the immediate future, I know that, uh, we are running a bit late and I'm sure that you have a lot of people that you need to speak to and are probably bombarding you with messages. So we'll try to be brief, uh, but coming into Black Friday now, uh, because it's going to be intense, what's like a checklist of maybe three to five things that you think anybody should go through to make sure that they are well prepared for, for Black Friday? Yeah, I think um, obviously you're going to want to have make sure that you have a lot of touch points to you know share and explain the aspects of whatever sale if you're running a sale that you're running. So we obviously are are preparing with you know different teaser campaigns going up to it just to make sure that our consumer base knows that there is something that Fancy is preparing for for Black Friday, so that they're keeping their eyes out and keeping their audience their kind of antennas up to ensure that when it drops, we we know it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's obviously number one. I think, you know, standard number two for, for everybody is if you're going to launch anything new, you better get it done in the next week or so, just because <laughs> you don't want to be testing as you get into, into the holidays and making sure that, you know, you have everything buttoned up and tested and, and things are firing on all cylinders and you're not, you know, using those critical timeframes to troubleshoot. Mm-hmm. So I would say definitely do, you know, some testing and make sure that you have whatever you are going to be implementing buttoned up soon, if not already, so that you, you have, um, everything ready to go. And I think engage with your partners, um, obviously let them know in advance, you know, what you're planning to do, let them know what your sales are, let them know, you know, how you're intending to market and ways that they can partner with you to get more exposure for 
themselves or their products. So if you're, you know, a direct to consumer brand, you know, do you have any, you know, influencer, you know, great customers that you want to reach out to in advance and, and give them a little sneak peek behind the curtain of what's to come? Or if you have brands that you sell on the website, how can you engage with them and, and start to get those plans in place to ensure they know what's coming and they know how to participate and help you drive additional awareness around it? So I would say those would be the key three things that, you know, I I would recommend, you know, one, make sure your comms planning and, you know, you have that you know, early awareness to what's coming, or at least the anticipation that there is something coming, coming down the pipeline Mm -hmm. um, to making sure that, you know, you're testing now to deploy the best results um, when, when the time comes, when, when Black Friday rolls around and three, engaging your partners early so they can help you do as much as you can. um, Once you start running towards, running towards that, you know, pinnacle of sales day, which is that cyber weekend time. (laughs) Nice. Thanks so much for the insights. So um, in terms of uh, Fancy, uh, any plans you would like to share with us for 2021 or for the people that are tuned in uh, to look out for when following you? Oh, of course. Yes, always. Um, (laughs) So we actually have a lot of big stuff in the plant, in the works uh, that one, we're, you know, getting ready for holiday season, but a lot to come around, you know, shopping gamification, which will be launched on our app in 2021, which I'm super excited about. It's, um, as I mentioned early in the call, you know, what we are trying to do is bring fun back into shopping. And yes, we, we are always concerned about the transaction, but we also know that there's something to be said about that joy of browsing and the joy of inspiration that you get when you, you know, used to go to the mall with your friends, but now you're, you know, kind of sitting at home by yourself browsing your computer. Um, so really trying to find ways to infuse that kind of social aspect and that gaming aspect into how you shop and how you shop with fancy. So, um, if you don't have the app downloaded, it'll be the first to launch there. So please download the app and you can check it out. We should be starting to tease out some of that content and some of those capabilities here in the next, uh, few weeks, which will be super exciting, but just a way for us to take advantage of, you know, the heavy data that we have that sits behind the site and just make shopping more, interesting and fun and in a way that you can, you know, discover like you used to discover, right. Mm-hmm. And, and not just, you know, always feel like you have to go to a website and know exactly what you're looking for. And if you don't know the search term, you're never going to be able to find it, but really just being able to lean back and enjoy the process. So that's where we're putting a lot of attention in the coming, um, in the coming months. Uh, so keep your eye out for that. And then obviously, as I mentioned earlier, you know, there is such a focus on the partnerships that we have, especially with our merchants and with our vendors. Uh, and we're launching new stuff every day on the site. So if you're ever looking for something very interesting or cool, I think a great first place to start is the daily discovery section within Fancy. So check it out. Um, we're always showcasing something new and cool uh, on the website and, and really trying to act as a, a springboard for small businesses around the world to help you know get their amazing products seen and in front of an amazing audience. So um, check out our, and last, check out our gift guides. We have about 50 gift guides. Uh, if you have any trouble shopping, we you know do a really well curation of you know assorted products from around the world. So you'll never, no one will ever give you the same gift that you find on Fancy. I'll say that. So you can find something super cool, but that's, that's kind of what's coming down the pipelines. I think a lot of focus on, you know, just infusing some more fun back in the transaction. And, and that's what we are focused on as a team. That's very exciting. I'm actually going to uh, keep an eye on the gamification element. I'm really curious yes. what you're up to. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's a little teaser there, but something we're super stoked to, to be releasing. And uh, it'll just be kind of step one in a long uh, plan of, of innovation. 
Super. Okay, and lastly, uh, yes. if uh, anybody wants to connect with you in any way, like maybe if you guys are looking for new vendors for the platform or any sort of partnerships or things like this, uh, what would be the best way for them to engage with you? Yeah, I would say um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can obviously my LinkedIn profile is my name. Uh, I'm I'm on it and networking with people quite frequently there. So I'd say just shoot me a message through LinkedIn. Um, send me a request and I would love to have a chat with anybody who, who wants to talk more about fancy marketing or any vendors that are interested in getting on the platform. Thanks so much for being open to this. And, um, well, I think uh, I'll finally <laughs> uh, try to One wrap more. it up for us. <laughs> Sorry yeah. for being a bit long, but uh, I, I just got, got carried away. I think it was really, really insightful. So, um, Yes, Abby, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really loved our chat. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to do this again in like soon uh, after the holiday yeah. season, season, maybe, because yeah. after that you're going to be <laughs> working long hours these days. Um, and meanwhile, uh, wishing you the very best of success. We'll keep an eye on Fancy. Uh, if we can help in any way, let us know, and we'll be happy to you know, share the news uh, and you know, <laughs> spread it out across our communities as well. Um, Amazing. No, thank you. And uh, yes, until next time, really, really a big pleasure. Uh, best of luck with everything. Keep rocking it. And uh, see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was so great chatting with you. This was so fun. Thank you. Speak soon. Talk soon. <laughs>